Like being present. Yeah, like just sitting there with the emotion and being like, I'm sad. And like, yeah, yeah, we're all, we're sad right now. You know? Oh, gosh. I don't, oh. Ever, I don't know if I feel like I want to sit in an emotion. <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome to No Small Thing, the podcast dedicated to helping you live a less certain and more curious life. I'm Scott, and Macy is not here for this intro this week, but I'm just here to tell you a a little bit about our guest. Uh, This is an Enneagram episode. If you're new to No Small Thing, we do an Enneagram episode every five episodes. We've been doing that since we started over a year and a half ago, and we actually haven't focused on a number in a while, so we're really excited this week to present an Enneagram 3 episode, and we will be interviewing our friend Emily Mandigy. Uh, Emily and her husband, Bertie, uh, are friends of ours, and they were actually on in the very early days to talk about their business together uh, as uh, they have started a travel blog, and they have some really fantastic um, Instagram accounts about their adventures and travels. Uh, so you can check out their um, blog at themandigies.com, and that's spelled M-A-N-D-A-G-I-E-S, themandigies.com. You can follow Emily at Emily Mandigy on Instagram. You can follow Birdie at Birdie Mandigy. And uh, you can follow their uh, other Instagram account, just the Mandigies. But um, anyways, you'll hear a little bit about Emily's journey on this episode. Um, Birdie, her husband that she runs this business with, is an Enneagram 7 and is just a, a talented and enthusiastic photographer. And I think they found a way to harness his skills of, as a photographer and their and their dual desire to travel to create a business for themselves that gives them a lot of freedom. And in so many ways, they are a a true North mood board goal for no small thing, just to be able to potentially do something like this as a career. And um, they're just fantastic people too. Um, Emily is a self-preservation three and um, not only very aware and knowledgeable about her number, but um, very curious too. So this was a fun, curious exciting conversation and we are really excited i want to say one thing <laughs> this this i don't think this has ever happened to us but at the very end of the episode we're, we're doing our takeaways from the episode and our sd card ran out of space so right when emily's sharing her takeaway from this episode it just cuts her off and i'll probably pop back on here and read um the the, the emergence of essence from the wisdom of the enneagram uh, having said that, I just take a quick opportunity to tell you, I haven't done this in a while, but um, tell you a quick way you can support the podcast. Uh, if you're interested in supporting us uh, and you're liking what you're hearing, you can jump onto iTunes and give us a rating and review if you haven't done that yet. If you're a listener to No Small Thing and you haven't given us a rating and review yet on iTunes, highly encourage you to do that. It really helps promote the podcast. Uh, another another quick and easy thing I think you could do is just post about us in your stories on your Instagram. If you like this episode or a past episode and just recommend it to your friends, you can recommend us in passing to friends on the street, uh, or just in your daily life at work. Um, and if you really want to be extra supportive, you can uh, consider supporting us on Patreon. Uh, so you just go to patreon.com and you can support us financially that way. Um, Having said that, uh, I think that's all the advice I would have in terms of how to support us. And I really am excited for you to hear this episode with Emily Mandigate, a self-preservation Enneagram 3. We hope you enjoy. 
Okay. Hey, everybody. We are in the house with Emily Mandigy. Kind of. Kind in of. We're not in the house, house, actually. Yeah. Welcome. Well, the, yeah. the miracle of technology. Yes. Yeah. FaceTime is a gem for sure. I like seeing your reactions on, <laughs> on my computer screen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, know the way it's much better than a phone call. Set up right now. I don't know whether or not it's because like Emily's lighting or the microphone, but this seems more in the house than normal to me. Like Emily feels oh. more in the house. It might be the position of the laptop. It You're like be. sitting exactly where this chair it is. Could be. <laughs> I th- That's funny. I don't know. Yeah. So I think the lighting's welcome. part of it. Y'all, I do have a light behind my uh, laptop right here. That's very nice. Okay. Yeah, so. I think we're backlit, but yeah. what you gonna do? What you gonna do? Um, okay, <laughs> so y'all, you guys may have recognized Emily's voice. This is not Emily's first <laughs> From like time. Almost being on a year the and a half ago, more. I know yeah. it was episode like eight or yeah, something. Really early. Baby podcasters. Oh so welcome back, Emily. Welcome back, Thank Emily. Thank you. <laughs> Honestly, I'm so honored to be on your podcast. <laughs> we both are both fist pumping. I love it. <laughs> we're excited to have you. And everybody, we've already said in the intro, but we're here to talk about Enneagram, which yeah. gets us all pumped, I think. Well, okay. So I mean, I feel we're not letting Emily talk quite yet, but uh <laughs> say I mean maybe this would have already been said in our intro, but we have taken a break from doing numbers for a while. Like we did birthdays, obviously we did variants, mm-hmm. um, but we haven't done a nice focus on a number yet. And our last three, we didn't know very well, and we still love Phil. He was our first three interview, yeah. but like, um, I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't know if we were able to go super deep with Phil because on on the other hand, we were sort of just getting to know him also mm-hmm. as we interviewed him. And I feel like we've worked with you, Emily, and talked about the Enneagram with you before. Mm, so it's yeah. fun to kind of revisit that conversation. So totally. I guess we should we start with Emily talking a little bit about herself? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> can you say, just can you give like everybody like an intro to yourself, like what you're up to in the world right now? Because it's pretty interesting. <laughs> sure. Uh, well, for starters, I'm Emily Mandigy. Um, oh, where do I even begin to like explain <laughs> what I do? <laughs> Uh, I am self-employed with my husband, work with my husband, Bertie. We run a travel blog, so it's a unique blend of photography and writing and social media. And basically we share cool destinations around the world, but more specifically the Pacific Northwest. So, uh, I get to run around and travel and take photos and share cool places with people and they get to do the same thing and it's the best. Dang. Yeah, that's a good description. <laughs> it blends so many of the things we talk about, too, because, I mean, I really was thinking about our jobs episode. I mean, uh, the idea that you guys aren't, like, fully working for a company or something like that, and you're doing your own thing, and you have so much freedom is so inspiring. Mm-hmm. I think it's been a, yeah. ma- a main inspiration. Yeah, know? it's pretty pretty cool, and I feel like you're talking about it, and... It's the real deal. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel <laughs> like you really have so much substance to your guys' kind of brand, mm-hmm. if maybe mm. is what you would call it. And it's it's just really cool. And it's, yeah, I think it's inspiring, especially considering you guys, like, peers. Like, oh, look at mm. Emily and Bertie out there. <laughs> it's like, oh, they can make it happen, so can I. <laughs> oh, I love that. Yeah, it's honestly such a gift to work for ourselves, being able to, like, have your own schedule and set your own pace. And I think the thing that's exciting for Brady and I is we have like the potential to make as much or as little money as we want. Mm. So I think that 
is kind of bad for a three because I that means like I could stay up for like I could pull an all-nighter and make more money but is that really healthy no <laughs> I couldn't so even think about that I know that. I know I would me neither yeah yeah that. <laughs> oh, really? and maybe we do it for separate reasons because right. I'd probably be doing it for like just pure security <laughs> sake you know but wow that, I think yeah, that's, that's really my self-preservation yeah too. no that's I, true I was thinking a lot that you know like having financial stability is really important to me too. Mm. So mm. if That's I could work longer so I could feel safer. Yeah. Yeah. My <laughs> wife is self-pres blind. I'm self-pres blind. You, you self-pres blind with the, have a little hard time with the finances in general. <laughs> it's true. It's true. <laughs> okay. I what is my taxes today though? So I'm Good really job. proud. <laughs> Good job. I have no idea what blind is. Oh okay. yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. I, I don't think we'll go into it, but essentially later, uh, I think we will okay. as we unpack the variants. So Emily is our oh, guest yeah. three. We'll talk about wings and we'll probably talk about variants later. And when we talk about that, it can kind of explain because you have, there's three instincts and all three are present and important and the order in which you're relying on them shapes mm. kind of your character structure. So we can talk Got about it. that later. Got it. Yeah. And everybody's sort of blind to one of them. Yeah. So, so one of them, one of them. Yeah, exactly. We said one we're going to do it later, is, but we did it. <laughs> it's almost like you don't even realize it's there and oh. it's out it's in your blind spot, which self-pres is for me. So, mm. but for you, it's dominant. And so there's a complete difference there. I'm missing. Got it. There it is. Okay, I understand. Yeah. Man, yeah. Cool. I do think, I do think in terms of just inspirations, and I know we're just being all so nice and complimentary of each other, but like, <laughs> it is true. I think maybe it is Birdie and Emily and the podcast. Yeah. Those are my two big inspirations, and I don't even know the podcast people, but just in terms of people that I actually have met that are showing me a different way. I mean, we see people on Instagram all the time that are doing what like you're doing, but I don't know them. folks that we could know and know. Sometimes I think they're lying. You know what I mean? Because I'm like, I don't know those people. Maybe it's just a scam. But it's like, actually, Bertie and Emily are real people. I know them. Oh, <laughs> and we're this. making a creative job happen? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, gotcha, yeah. I don't know many people that are doing that. Yeah. You know? Yeah, me neither. Yeah. I mean, maybe a little bit because we're kind of in that community of people, yeah. but... I, I don't know any real podcasters yet, so you guys are definitely my first one. <laughs> awesome. I guess that's true. It's a similar thing. Um, yeah. Just trying to do something creative and free, you know. And But, man, yeah, I mean, I, I do remember when we did our episode, it was – we were still fairly new to talking about Enneagram on the podcast, at least. Mm-hmm. And we discovered – not that – you discovered it in real time, but we didn't know. I think we already knew Birdie was a seven, but in the episode, I think we discovered Emily's a three. And we're like, oh, that's okay. a great marriage slash business pairing. pairing. <laughs> you know? It is. It is for a lot of different reasons, but it's also um, very passionate and very yeah. explosive at times, yeah. too. <laughs> mm. I can imagine I both think the can, Yeah, yeah. Arguments can get especially heated and feelings can get hurt really fast, but... We're pretty good at uh, communicating and reconciling them. So <laughs> that's funny because yeah, I can imagine. So yeah, sevens and threes are both assertive, and then fours and fives are both withdrawn. So Macy and I also have arguments and and conflict, but it's handled in a very strange roundabout. None of it's direct, and all of it is existential and reflective uh. and confusing. <laughs> Yeah, we probably need to be a little bit more three and seven, like, honestly. 
<laughs> Yikes. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. I could, it's hard to be even describe. <laughs> okay. So should we do like discovering how Emily was a three? Yeah, this is an Enneagram episode. Yeah, so let's, let's get, get to right it. to it. Sure. So when, what was, yeah. Well, I was going to say, Go when ahead. did you first hear about the Enneagram? And what was your first thoughts around it? And then kind of what was it like coming to, okay, maybe I am a three. Yeah, I definitely, I discovered it probably right after I graduated from college. I was at a party at a friend's house and I didn't know it at the time, but uh, hopefully my friend Trent Casey hears this because he was the one who's like, have you heard of the Enneagram? I was like, no, what is it? And I guess in like a roundabout way, he kind of described it as like a personality test because that was the only thing I could really like grasp what it was at the time. So, um, anyways, he told me he was a one and he said there was nine types and basically like did a really brief overview. Mm-hmm. And then later I Googled it by myself and I was like, Ooh, what am I just cause I like those kinds of things. And then as soon as I read the three, there was like not even a question, <laughs> any other type was a possibility. I was like, Oh my oh. gosh, somebody wrote this about me. Like wow. they saw my life. They knew all my deepest, darkest secrets, and like they described my personality right there. So <laughs> it's so from there, crazy. I, I just knew it. <laughs> <laughs> it is so crazy. It is so crazy <laughs> that I could read a three and be like, I don't get it. Yeah, you know, exactly. That, moving on next, and then somebody else <laughs> would read it and be like, that's me. You know, I, I, th- I still think it's sort of a magical thing about the Enneagram. Did you guys have a similar experience with your numbers? Did you read it and you're like, oh my gosh, that's me? Uh, I felt really conflicted between two numbers. So Mm. I feel like I found the Enneagram in a very stressful season of my life. So I think it was hard for me to discern from being a four and a two because I was Mm. kind of enmeshed in both of those. Mm. I was like going between those in a lot of ways. So I took me a bit and then then there's no denial. Although, I mean, every mm-hmm. once in a while, I'm still like, what if I'm a eight? I mean, I knew about the Enneagram and had like skimmed over it, you know, but I remember being at a camp with Macy and I was up editing a video and Macy like slid over the description of the four to me and I was like, oh, I'm a four. But I had not looked at any of the numbers. Yeah. So I remember waking us up the next morning. I'm like, look at this, read this. <laughs> and it did sound really on point. But once I especially learned about like the, the internal motivations, no, yeah. it wasn't even the variance. It was just like, what is the core? Mm-hmm. My core is definitely a five, but I can really get in a four zone for sure. Yeah. Mm. There was a, a few things where I was like the hide and seek behavior and the moodiness. I couldn't like kind of unsee that fact. And there's a few moments reading where I was like, don't, I, I can't keep reading because it's embarrassing to myself. You know mm-hmm. how real it is. Same. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, it was like the first time someone's told me or like given me words that those hard truths are like present in my life. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, oh, I can't even think of an example, but it was like, that's super embarrassing. But yeah, like that's totally me. <laughs> it's it's so cool that you were willing to see that though, because I think a lot of people have a lot of resistance when they feel like they're being read that way, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so yeah, the fact that you were like, yeah, yeah it's real. Shoot. <laughs> they got it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I don't know if this is a three thing or just a me thing, but I guess what I would want to know is like, it was actually like a benefit for me to know my flaws because I know other people can see them in myself, but with me being aware of it, I can kind of 
be in more control of how I present you that have the upper to people. Hand. <laughs> yeah. I do like having the upper hand and like knowing what to expect. <laughs> yeah. Totally. That's so good. So, totally. That's a really yeah. good that's a good that's a good pitch for the Enneagram. If you're gonna just appeal to our like basic primal survival instincts. I think it appeals to a three too. That's yeah. a very like intrinsic intrinsically three way of using the Enneagram information. Like, how yeah. can this help further me? As where I would use it, and I'm like, how can I s- probably be more introspective and, like, probably harder on myself sometimes with the Enneagram? The three is like, okay, this is a tool. Yeah, yeah. It's like, I, I recognize my flaws. How can I strategically hide them so it doesn't look like <laughs> I have them to other people? <laughs> oh, that's so good. That's so good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's so funny. I think I'm the opposite. <laughs> yeah. Oh how, do I, how do I strategically show the flaws? <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Yeah. That's interesting. Let them leak out. <laughs> hey, you're a really pretty great person, Macy. Oh, wait, but did you know? <laughs> Oh, interesting. And this is an interesting thing to be sharing at a dinner party. I didn't know you wanted to share that much information. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, this is a let's see what we can do with this question. I just this question just came to my mind. Go for Might it. Be a, but if you were like just meeting somebody at a dinner party or like how this happened to you and your friend and you were describing what your understanding of a 3 is and how and how that like connects with who you are. Like what was what's Emily's description of a three I guess the the ways that I try to describe a three or the ways that I connect with it a lot is um like valuing myself Mm. and seeing if or like trying to figure out if I'm worthy Mm -hmm. and so those are things that come to mind and I think when I try it gosh this is really hard to unpack when I try and describe a three I think years ago when I first discovered the Enneagram, I would really like attach my identity to like my blog or my work, but it caused me a lot of anxiety when I did that because uh, I was thinking like, oh my gosh, if somebody like hacked my blog and deleted everything, I, it would end me. Yeah. Yeah. It would end me. And Mm. I'm like, oh my gosh, who am I? And so it's taken years to figure out like my inherent worthiness that isn't attached to anything. Yeah. So I guess that's a really deep way of trying to describe a three, but just trying to like figure out your worth and like what value you bring to the world. Mm. So it makes me think of, have you heard the sleeping at lost songs and listened to the podcast? Oh yeah. Yeah. I love that. (laughs) I know I listened to it today and the line of maybe I've done enough, which he repeats three times, I think is Mm. such a like, profound three thought of like maybe I've done enough without having done anything that I'm Mm. just enough with nothing like having done nothing totally feels like yeah I it I think that's a constant like thought for me or like something that I keep having to remind myself like I don't need to do xyz for like someone to call me worthy or deem Mm. me worthy or feel loved so like not having to do anything to earn something in return. Yeah. So there's something very, I don't know the best way to say this, but like, um, ah, uh, <laughs> like clean and crisp about a three, but I know it's just in the presentation. You know what I mean? It's a three is efficient. A fi- uh, uh, there's a nice, obvious, like very streamlined, 
personality that's just like very nice to have around. You know, it's yeah. like it's a good it's a good energy to have around. <laughs> but but I but I get I, I get sad sometimes because it seems like there's obvi- obviously a lot of like internal sadness that's being hidden from people. You know, is that does that ring true to you? I guess. I mean, just from my own personal thoughts, I don't feel like I have a lot of internal sadness, but I think I have a lot of like other thoughts and feelings that I would like to portray. But as a three, a lot of people will like I'll show up and be like a leader at a small group or have a title somewhere and then all of a sudden people are like oh that's the title you have that's the expectation that's all I want to know of you because you're like this thing that's all I need to know you're cool great let's keep going Mm -hmm. and then I'm like well I have some other like I like to garden and you know (laughs) but I blog and that's a much bigger more like social external part of my life and so everybody will say like oh she's a writer she's a blogger but then I'm like but wait I like to like try recipes and be in the garden. I guess what I'm trying to say is people don't, it's hard to be vulnerable to people Mm. and say those like small details about your life because everybody just kind of sees that surface level that you portray. Mm. So, yeah. Well, and I don't want to necessarily get right into a conversation between the two of you, but that does seem to be something the two of you share Really? Uh, in the sense of like happy to play a role when the time comes and yeah. do it well. Does that sound right? Yeah. I to mean, both of you? Yeah. Yeah? Like, like, I don't know. Like, I mean, obviously we both did youth ministry together. So right. if we're thinking of this idea of like a mission trip or a retreat and it's like, Emily, this is your task. Macy, this is your task. Both of you are the types that are going to like knock it out of the park. You know? <laughs> Try and do it to the best of its like, yeah. Our best oh ability. yeah, I'll definitely yeah. show up and make it happen. That like, you put me in that role, make sure it's hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent. Yeah, that's the thing I don't ever relate to. <laughs> I think it's, it'll depend for me, but I definitely can get into that space. Yeah. And if it's something that really matters to me, I can lock in and be like very driven mm. to have something be like complete, and for people to perceive it in the way I want them to. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Is that nice for you, Emily? Like if it like sort of accolades or, or like uh, compliments, like you did it, like you, you, you were the most reliable, you were the, the best, so to speak, quote unquote, or. <laughs> I definitely can relate to that. Yeah. yeah. I do like to, I do like to be told that I did a good job <laughs> at something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think when I get put in a role like that, a leadership role, I, I, like my for sure goal is to make sure that like I do it to the best of my ability and the result is a good result at the end. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting. It is. Okay. I have a okay. question. Okay. I was listening to a podcast today and do you know who Susan Stabile is? I don't. It's okay. She's cool. Uh, the, uh, do we call her the, the grandmother? The godmother, the godmother of the Enneagram? Of the Enneagram? Let's oh my gosh, cool. Yeah. Um, she was talking about how because twos, threes, and fours are all in the heart triad and they're feeling. Um, and she talked about how threes feel things but then set them aside and put them to the side to reach whatever they're doing. Or they, they feel it for a brief moment and then they set it aside and put on a mask of something else. How does that feel to you and do you relate to that? Oh, I could relate. I guess 
something that like uh i th- I think I'm more open with Bertie because he's my husband, and I can tell him anything, but um when it comes to feeling stuff, I think I want a controlled reaction to things. Hmm. And so if I am at a movie and I like, it's so sad and I want to cry, like I would definitely cry at home, but at the movies I would be like, Nope, just mm. hold it together. Mm. Like, because <laughs> like, I don't want to be vulnerable or I like haven't thought through or controlled that emotion. So it you is like. You were planning on it? Yeah, I wasn't planning on feeling that way. And so like I will stuff those feelings because I don't know how to present it in a way that like I've already thought through. Mm. So those like surprise emotions, I think, catch me off guard. And then I do kind of like freeze up when those things happen. So I guess I'm not the greatest consoler. I've learned that because <laughs> I wish I was. But when people are like upset, I'm like, I don't know. Like, how do I, how do I respond to them that they're going to like feel okay? And what if I cry, you know? Yeah. Oh. So, so I tend to like stuff things because just I wasn't prepared hmm. to show them. So... Well, so yeah, when it came to arguments with my wife or like hard moments, um, I, I, maybe, maybe this was a three like type of move, but like, I thought the feelings and emotions were inefficient. I'm like, let's move on. Let's, let's, here's, here's, here's a reason that you shouldn't be feeling that way. I've got like three practical reasons why (laughs) you could easily be done being sad right now. And so let's listen to that and let's, yeah, I know. I think it's very frustrating for Marissa. Um, so I don't know how you approach consoling. That'd be a whole, maybe that's an episode someday. Consoling. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's super interesting. Um, I feel like when I am consoling somebody, I honestly, it's not my favorite. Um, just because I feel like I'm not good at it. Mm. Interesting. I feel like that's the second time you've mentioned that. Yeah. Yeah. Because I feel like I'm, I just don't, I'm surprised by my feelings. Hmm. Um, and I don't know how to react in like a productive way. And so a lot of the times they just end up stuffing my feelings. So. Hmm. I think that's the thing. Yeah. You're saying that word productive, you know? Yeah. Um, I guess like I, I don't want to say emotions are like towards like a productive goal, but it does feel like that. If like I'm in a fight with Birdie, I don't want to be in a fight. So what is the most efficient way for us to like deal with the problem, figure out how to move forward and like finish the argument, you know, mm-hmm. as soon as possible. By letting me win. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe her three has found a way to like, Oh, the most efficient is just let Birdie win. <laughs> Sometimes I think maybe there's this word consoling, but also I, I it's bringing up the word present to me. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, do you ever sense that maybe consoling or presence is the fastest way to solving the problem? Like being present. Yeah. Like just sitting there with the emotion and being like, I'm sad. And like, yeah, yeah, we're all, we're sad right now. You know, oh, gosh. I, don't oh. ever, I don't know if I feel like I want to sit in an emotion. <laughs> this is so good because part of me is like, what if I'm a three? And it's clear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when you hear about it. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, I, I guess like I allow myself to feel 
feelings, but uh, if they're not being towards like a greater goal, I guess I just want to move on. Yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah. Put them behind you. Get going forward. Yeah, yeah. Another thing that's fascinating is so three sevens and eights are considered to be in the assertive stance, which is also means they're future oriented. Mm. So mm. It, f- it makes sense to me that you would be thinking, oh, let's get past this so we can be going forward. Like you're always going mm. places. What's next is on the mind. Yeah, actually, I resonate with that a lot because um, what is that? Oh, it's called Strength Finders. Is yeah. that what it's called? Mm-hmm. Uh, futuristic is one of my strengths. Mm. Yeah, so that would make sense. Does Birdie have futuristic too? I think no. He, he just took it recently. Okay. Birdie, what was your Strength Finders? It was something like encourager, learner. Oh yeah. Woo was number two. What else? Woo. Woo. Oh my gosh, Birdie's woo. woo. That's Birdie. Yeah. So funny. That's definitely yeah. Birdie. <laughs> but yeah, I didn't see futuristic. I don't think we overlapped in any of them except for Woo. Ah, cool. That's cool. Yeah, I could see both having Woo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Me too. Okay, I have another yeah. another question. A three is often cons- like the word chameleon comes up often when you are reading about threes or this idea of putting on masks and shifting based on the group or your surroundings. Do you feel like that you could have that superpower almost? Uh, yes, actually. I'm trying to think of an example, but I think that happens a lot in jobs we do. Um, I'll have like a, we're going to a certain destination and I want it to look a certain way. Hmm. So I like put myself in that mindset of like being that type of character that I want to photograph or Mm. uh, performing that role. Or actually, I think I would say instead of like a mask of changing my identity, it's more like uh, maybe say yes to things that I know I might not accomplish, but I'm going to try really hard because I want to look good doing it. Mm. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does. It does. I mean, maybe that will that leads to an interesting little side note here is two thoughts. One is I, I still to this day am just terrible at taking pictures, like being in a picture. I get I'm very awkward and I'm very um, I overthink it so much. <laughs> and I and I just don't like seeing myself in a picture or a video. Like it's very stressful to me. Yeah, you have a hard time getting into the character play. Yes, the character. And I, I do think there's some growth for me there. But I mean, I've always been sort of inspired by the vibe you both are creating on your different podcast podcast Instagram <laughs> platforms. Um, and it it appears to be very fun and playful and natural. And it also seems to be part of like the origin story of you and Birdie, like going out and taking pictures. But you mm-hmm. sort of becoming like Birdie's muse to a certain extent. <laughs> this is getting into a question, but I mean, I guess, I guess the question is, what does it, what does it feel like to be as a three? I guess approaching as a three, like in those settings where you're getting photographed that way, and sort of because uh, I have so many thoughts about it. like you do a great job of presenting this sort of natural, you know, there's a, there is a character to a certain extent, Emily, the Instagram person you know (laughs) here i am having a very i mean i don't know what's it like for you to be photographed i guess is the the question (laughs) i can ramble yeah i i guess it was a learning experience if you saw the early pictures that birdie took of me specifically i was like super awkward (laughs) i was like i don't know how to pose what do i do um 
but I've been more and more comfortable with the camera. And I guess I know what looks good on camera now or like uh, for lack of like, this feels like I'm talking about myself, but like, I guess I'm here to do. And yeah, like I like, I know my hair looks good this way. So I'll Mm -hmm. put it this way or I'll like, I don't know, turn to the camera a certain way or walk a certain way. Cause I know that like it, my legs look nice that way. It's just stuff mm. like that. I love Where? this. So, is the, This is the good stuff. This That's is, what we want to hear <laughs> you talk about. Yeah. This yeah. Really is, I feel like it really highlights. Cause I think I will also play a character or do like different things in front of the camera, but I'm not thinking about what looks good and how mm. like my body would look. I'm almost trying to do the opposite, mm-hmm. but we're both oh, really? paying attention to it. There's a oh, really interesting. interesting clash happening with threes and fours because they're both so image conscious, but in like very polar totally ways. different ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's really cool and strange. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would definitely say that I am very aware of my image, and so I will like pick and choose what I post on Instagram or what pictures will go up on the blog because I don't want to have an ugly picture of myself online. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're in you're complete control. It. You're curating, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there is something about you where it's it's like you present as very gentle, I think. You're, I, mm. I feel like you're a gentle person. So I was I was surprised when you said you were three, but I also believed it. I, I can instantly go back and rewind and think about encounters with you. I'm like, oh, I could see that. But I, be, mm. I think one of them is I would have assumed knowing you based on just your gentleness in re- everyday interactions like when you would get up in front of kids in the youth group and talk or give an announcement or even do that little like a uh, moth skit you did or whatever. whatever. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Molly it, the moth. Yeah. Molly the moth. <laughs> and it was like so much confidence and charisma up front. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> Emily's got this. And Emily can just put on a completely different thing right here. Um, and it also doesn't seem to phase you or require that much energy, you know? Yeah. I guess I, could see myself in those roles, but it's, it's funny that you say that because I'm definitely not very confident when it is like, for lack of a better word, young lifestyle, you know how they're like, you come up on stage. I'd be like, Oh my gosh, what do I do? Like, I don't know what to expect. Do I have to like stick my face in a pie? (laughs) I just get anxiety the whole time. That makes total sense. (laughs) Yeah. In those specific moments where I'm up on stage, most of the time it's like, I know what I'm doing. I've Mm. already rehearsed it. Mm. I I know what to expect. I know the kind of emotions that I want to show or like how I want to perform. So I'm way more in control of like showing that confidence on stage because I already know what I'm going to do, but I don't like surprise stuff. Actually. That's so cool though. That's a, that's one of my birthday comments when you're like, oh, threes love surprise parties. I'm like, no. Oh. <gasps> Did we say that? <laughs> yeah, I, I think so. I wonder what was on my mind when I well, said I that. Well, I think, I think, we'll get into variants later, but I think some threes would like surprise parties, but I can see oh, a self Oh, I'm sure they would. Three. I'm sure yeah. they would. No, but that yeah. makes a lot of sense to me, especially as you like Maybe talk. Maybe not, though. I mean, we were just kind of talking out of our asses. Oh, we either. completely yeah. were in that episode. <laughs> but you know what no, I mean? I loved it. <laughs> I, I mean, I... I, I guess if we're thinking three sevens and eights are the in, in the assertive stance, like just they kind of approach life in an assertive way. But if you are trying to curate an image and you're not able to control that initial surprise and people are yeah. in your house and the whole vibe isn't exactly That's what you it, yeah. wanted. Yeah. 
Yep. Hmm. All right, got to go back and do our birthdays episode. <laughs> we got some new information. Redo, redo. <laughs> no, it's okay. I really enjoyed it. It was fun to listen to. <laughs> I mean, w- when you're walking around in the world, what do you feel like? It's interesting to hear you talk about like what what do you like about being a three and what is hard about being a three. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I guess what I like about being a three is <sighs> I feel like I can get stuff done. Mm. Like that's true. I. Yeah know what my goals are i have the steps to take them (laughs) yeah i i just like that i feel like i get a lot done i'm really a productive person yeah so that feels good to know that like i can accomplish things Mm -hmm. um what i don't like about being a three this is not fun to talk about but i get jealous pretty easily Mm. yeah and not necessarily like with my husband, but, um, I like success as a three. Mm-hmm. When I see someone else doing well, I feel like there's less success available for me. Wow. And oh. yeah, that's been really hard to grapple with. And I think it's a constant thing that I'm figuring out. And obviously that's not the case. You know, if someone does great that doesn't mean I'm going to do less great Mm -hmm. so I I need to know that but I was uh, listening to another podcast and they were talking about like living a life of abundance and there's Mm -hmm. like so much of everything like so much success in the world and it doesn't mean if someone does well it doesn't mean you're not going to do well so I constantly have to remind myself of that and that's not very fun to think about Mm -hmm. but I do get it's on loop. a lot. It's on loop. Yeah. 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 It's always something that like I have to remind myself like they're doing great. That doesn't mean I'm less great. Yeah. Dang. That's some deep wisdom for threes. I think, you know, <laughs> I think so too. it's really interesting too. like, as we all learn, like maybe I would be able to indulge a more success oriented version of myself around threes. And I do think, um, Man, this is a brand new thought, but like the idea of nines being peacekeepers baffles me. I'm like, we're we're trying to keep peace. Like that doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> and I can learn a lot from that, you know, like I don't that stance. But um I'm just saying this to you, like we we love the, the <laughs> like the cringy reveal of our deepest darkest secret. So when you're talking about this stuff, I think both, both Macy and I perk up and we're like, Oh, you're like, Ooh, you're jealous <laughs> of success. Say some more about that. You know? <laughs> Cause I can relate to jealousy and I can relate to jealousy of success, but I think it's different again, as we were thinking, Oh, is there going to be more success as where I just would go inward and be like, why haven't I been successful? I, I'm never going to be successful. Oh, interesting. Yeah, you get it done. You you solve the you solve that. You sit and think about it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> just go back. Yeah. Yeah. Or or you color your hair. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, so, so maybe let's try to d- dance a little bit a little bit more into that. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, what are yeah, some of the sure. things in your world as an Instagram or blogger that you get jealous of in terms of success that you're seeing out in the world? I guess like, uh, hmm, I need to think of an example. I guess when we go to a certain place or a location and we take really great pictures and then someone will see those pictures that have more Instagram followers than Mm. I do, they'll go, they'll 
shoot the same location. And then all of a sudden they, from my perspective, it's not true, but they kind of look like they're the ones that like discovered that place or went Mm. there for the first time. But it's like, no, I was there first, you know, like, Mm. and it's so not fair because we're not the first ones to be at a certain location. But I feel like because, you know, people go there that have a larger following than I do, I feel like, oh, that was supposed to be my moment. And you took that because now you have a larger audience and now you get to like stake your claim on whatever that thing was that I did first, but it looks like you did it first mm. because I'm much smaller. Does that mm. make sense? Absolutely oh, it makes, so makes sense. sense. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's funny too, because I think it highlights the novelty of your own world. Like we're in. A yeah. No- right. It's very specific. Yeah. example. <laughs> like I'm aware of some like uh, obscure podcasters out there and, and these Instagram people are that you're probably following or know about or bloggers are, yeah. are, are, are famous and have a lot of followers, but are in some ways also obscure to the majority of Americans. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah I, they're my whole world. But yeah. All of a sudden it's like, we are 0.5% of yeah. even Americans. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, even like this guy, I think his name is Chris Burkhard. Oh yeah. Like, I've heard of him. I only follow him because of birdie, but like <laughs> I see that world. I'm like, Oh yeah. He's, he's like, uh, I don't know hundreds of thousands of followers. So it's like, Oh, I think but, it's like millions. Yeah, now. probably. And it's a, <laughs> so, but some of that same mood board in terms of your Instagram yeah. and stuff like that. But I think he also does like a lot of ice surfing. So that his, that's his little shtick. Oh yeah. And like it, Arctic surfing. Yeah. 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 That's intense. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I think you can talk about this without naming any people, but like what, what are just for the sake of like a, uh, I think it's so interesting what you guys do and More where you're always going. details, huh? Yeah, no, like, uh, where are some of those spots you've gone to and have somebody come swoop in later or something like that? Like, what are some of the secret spots that you thought? Because I'll just say this as a follower. It's like most of the spots you guys post about, I've never heard about. Like, I remember, for example, the mm-hmm. first one that comes to my mind is uh, Painted Hills in Oregon. I didn't know what that was. Oh, yeah. Nice. You guys post about that a long time ago. And I was like, Painted Hills? I was like, this seems like made up thing. It seems like something created on a movie set. Yeah. How does this exist? Yeah. So yeah, are there any places like that where you feel like somebody came in like um, s- swooped in? Is no, yeah, that's that's a good question. <clears throat> and I guess maybe it wouldn't be so much an Instagram example, but like a content creation example. Mm-hmm. We did this awesome trip to Glacier National Park, mm-hmm. and I am so not the first one to be their disclaimer. Yeah. Right, right. It's awesome. Um, but I felt like I produced some really amazing content from there. I did all these hiking guides and photo guides and itineraries. And then someone similar did the same trip or similar trip. Mm-hmm. Um, and they produced the same type of blog posts. Yeah. And they have more followers And it felt like they took my spotlight, but also it was really hard to grapple with because Mm. um, everybody has access to that content. Yeah. Everybody can do these hikes. Anyone can take these photos. So I, it was a constant battle for me to figure Mm. out how uh, are my feelings valid? I feel like they took that success from me somehow, but also I don't, have the right to have that success because 
it's a free country. Like you yeah, can that's go a complicated there. Tension to hold. You can, yeah, you can Ooh. write whatever you want. It's not my like authority to claim to like write these things for the first time. Also, I wasn't the first one to write guides to glacier right. hiking <laughs> right. guides, but for some reason, I felt threatened at that moment because it was like I, I don't know. It's such a complicated feeling because yeah. I don't own anything. This person doesn't own anything, but it felt like since we were in the, in the same like uh, world, mm-hmm. it felt like a clash and I didn't like feeling like I had to share a space with somebody. Yeah. It's really complicated to unpack. <laughs> yeah. It brings up, I mean, that I brings that up so sense. many things. It does make <laughs> it sense. It does. I, I, it just brings up so many ideas of like free country and I know. free blogging. And, well, yeah. I have a question that's kind of related to being a three, but also being a three in America. I feel like people would consider America to be a quote unquote three country. Mm. Like, oh, as three and free. <laughs> as, <laughs> like, as uh, if you were to archetype the country, I think a lot of people would say America has a three like mentality. Yeah. And I wonder how you relate and how. Like, if you have critique of that or if you, like, like being a three in a three country. I don't know. Ooh, what, a a question. Question. <laughs> what a creative question. What a creative question. I feel... Oh, that's really hard to unpack. I don't know if I have a lot of comments on that, but I feel like as far as, like, seizing opportunity, that's for sure. Like, I could see threes in America being like that. Like, I want to be successful in this avenue of yeah. work. And then you just go for it. And then you can do that. That's really exciting. I guess I like the idea of threes in America being the same because the possibilities are endless, mm-hmm. I guess. I mean, like I you guess you can th- make it however you want and you can be successful in any avenue. The system has really been set up well for a three, you know, like the yeah. system in terms of America, whatever that means, the system. Yeah, no, I do think that a threes, like, workhorseness and their drive to be efficient and productive and to be financially secure. Like mm-hmm. this is a good setup for that. It is. <laughs> it is. I mean, I, I mean, we have to be careful of like, you know, we all start off in different places. Right. It's life, complicated but, because yeah. it's, yeah. But I, I, I say another thing about this sort of getting jealous or I don't, I don't know. Um, in that emotional state. I mean, I guess I gravitate towards the emotions. So I'm like, oh, um, yeah. Uh, what what do you what do you feel like are your coping strategies if you are getting in a sad state? Is it just do more work, or is it watch a movie with Birdie, or like? I I think to Birdie's dismay, I <laughs> unpack it for months. Oh, what I do. Mm-hmm. yeah. He hears about it daily. Like oh. if I'm struggling with something, or yeah. I. I, I feel threatened online for no reason that's like valid. I, I don't know. He hears about everything and we like to go on morning walks around our nearby park. Mm. That's like our daily morning thing that we do together. And I would say for, we do like two or three laps, but at least for a lap, it's me like <laughs> unpacking like what I'm feeling and why, and I don't understand. And, he just has to listen to it the whole lap. <laughs> <laughs> That's good, though. That's good. Though. Thumbs, up. thumbs up to the listening. 
I, yeah. And I don't know if that's necessarily a three trait, but it's me. Like I need to hear myself yeah. talk over and over about it and maybe like come up with more possibilities the next day and more ways of thinking about it because I know my initial reaction is probably not the best one to like portray and after thinking about it for a couple of days, it's like, oh, you know, that was like my first, you know, upset reaction. But yeah. actually looking at it from a step back perspective, it's not that bad. Here's why. Here's what I can do to move forward. <laughs> we got to <laughs> move forward. <laughs> yeah. Tie this with a little ribbon and move on from it. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Portray. Like, okay, I is understand it- this emotion. Portray is a good three word, I think. Portray. I mean, yeah, yeah. Mm. Maybe even very aware of how people are seeing you and paying attention yeah. to that. Yeah, and I, I think that's the part of the controlled emotions thing. Like I, I know my initial reaction might not be the best one at the time to yeah. like be productive. So. Birdie is the one that I unpack things with. (laughs) And then I can like portray my real emotion moving forward, dealing with the situation. Mm. Mm. That's good. That's so good. Do you want to bring some up, up some of the variant stuff? Well, should we quote unquote take a break and then talk about wings and then talk about variants? Oh, just kind of pace it in a, yeah, a yeah. nice orderly way. That was mm-hmm. kind of the getting getting our getting our grips on the threes. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so what's next? I think wings and variants. Okay. Wings and then take okay, a yeah. break and variants. And we might try to identify Emily's wing. Yes. And, and we might try things. to identify Emily's blind spot. Yes. When mm, we come we back. Okay. Okay, we're back. Okay, we are back, and we're going to start by discussing a little bit about wings. Before we started hitting the record button on this, Emily mentioned, I don't know what wing I am. And I feel like before we get into it, I have a few thoughts about wings. Please. Macy has more opinions about wings than I do. I do. (laughs) (laughs) I think there's... Wing theory. Yeah, I think there's wing theory. If we're going to get technical here, there is, I think, different trains of thoughts that people have around wings. One of them, which I think might be the dominant thought, is that you develop one wing in your early 25-ish to 30-ish years of life. And then you develop your second wing in this kind of latter half of life. And then... This is new information for me, too, Emily. I don't, I don't know if it's new for you. but There's other, I think, no. <laughs> like schools of thought that just say, oh, you have a wing. You have one wing. But then I think, and this is where I tend to lie, and this probably is because this is also how I resonate, is that there are there is such a thing as being, quote, unquote, balanced or having dipping into both wings relatively equally. And the thing about wings is that wings are kind of, like your secret tools in your back pocket, they're not so linked to your character structure as much as they support your character structure with the traits that they are. So when you're you're acting out of your wing, what? it's you're doing it with the motivation of what your type is, but it may look and present through the lens of these types, these other types. Jeez. 
So with there it that is. being said, I don't know how you do that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how you do that. I just sit and read. <laughs> I, <guess>. I love <laughs> it. <laughs> but um, reading for me causes me to be more caught, like uh, I, I get caught up in my words because I'm all now I've read too much and now I'm like ah. You're really good at saying it nice and neat and clear. That's Uh, very kind of you. That's very kind of you. Okay. Okay. So I have before me the Bible Enneagram. (laughs) It's been a while since we looked at this book in a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have the wisdom of the Enneagram, everybody. And I think it might be fun if I just read, because they're pretty short, the type descriptions of both of these, and then you could share what you resonate with. I think one thing that's interesting and cool is that. Both of these I'm going to be reading are threes. So you're probably going to relate to a lot of it regardless, just because it's three stuff. Okay. Have you looked at this book before, Emily? No. Okay. Oh, oh, okay. Okay. Well, well, this is good. Oh, wait. What is it? The Wisdom. The Wisdom. The wisdom? Yeah. I only have the Sacred Enneagram. Mm, okay. Good that's choice. A, good one. a great choice. But this choice. is nice. This is nice to know that this will be fresh content. Yeah. Yeah. Emily. I'm excited to hear it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so the three wing two is the name given to it right here is the charmer. And I'll read the healthy and average levels. So healthy, people of this subtype are more emotional and spontaneous than the other subtype. Their outgoing, vivacious quality can resemble sevens. They can be friendly, helpful, and generous like twos while maintaining the poise, self-esteem, and high personal achievement of threes. They want to be loved and have a drive to be close with people, but they sometimes substitute public life and the recognition they obtain there for a more satisfying private life in domestic stability. That's on a healthy level. And then the average lover, average levels, uh, they attempt to suppress any characteristics that interfere with their desirability, feeling that their value comes from the ability to attract and even dazzle others. In short, they want others to like and admire them. They know how to turn it on to impress, and this often becomes a preoccupation. Their behavior can have a smooth, artificial quality that undermines their attempt to be popular and credible. People of this subtype are often highly competitive, although usually covertly. They may resort to multiple images to satisfy their social relations and to perform in intimate, situ- intimate situations. I think so that's, that's it. That's the charmer. <laughs> oh, okay. No. Okay. Do you want to read the next oh, one? Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. We're switching it off here. The professional. Already, I feel like that title. The professional. Three wing four. Emily's frozen, but we can still hear her. Oh, I'm frozen? Yeah, yeah. your face is frozen. Frozen. Oh, in like a in a thought pondering a very like thoughtful. It is serene thoughtful. Oh, I hope that fixes. <laughs> I, <laughs> Me too. I think that something all right away, I'll just say the thing is interesting about this one. I is thought you for a long time she was just being really skeptical. <laughs> it looks like a skeptical look. Oh, really? <laughs> I was like, oh, she, she's not re- she's really skeptical of this three wing two. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> I think the three wing two being the more emotional of the two subtypes is fascinating. Mm. And I think probably Probably makes sense, but it's not. It wouldn't be my first thought. Okay. All right. So, oh, do do you want to say anything about the three wing two before we move on? Emily? Yeah. I, can you find a sentence that said something about like being covert? Oh yeah. It's up around there. Yeah. Where was that? Um, that was really good. Oh, I'll just read it. Uh, you see it? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. It says people of this subtype are often highly competitive, although usually covertly. I definitely can resonate with that. 
And that but might just be a three that, thing in general. Yeah, that's what yeah. I was thinking. I was like, yeah, maybe that not, might not be a three wing two, but more of a three thing. Yeah. Well, it's almost like the jealousy that you may have with other people. It's like covert. Mm. You're not outwardly expressing that's true. that I'm jealousy. Not outwardly jealous. But it's there, yeah. and you're being you're being competitive with them, whether that's internally or externally. Yeah. Hmm. I don't good. know if that resonated with the two, but I was like, Bing, Bing. I heard that one, and that's me. <laughs> Twos would be covertly i wonder or uh, c- competitive i think that well i think that no, they I wouldn't would want say... to show it because yeah. they're trying yeah. to please the people around them mm, okay here we go here comes the four wing healthy people oh this is called the professional so we got the professional and the charmer these are names that the wisdom of the enneagram writers uh Riso and hudson have created so yep. it's not like we have to take too much into these names but um The professional. People of this subtype feel that self-esteem comes from their work and career success more than from personal qualities. Hmm. First sentence. Very interesting. They want their work to be outstanding and well-regarded, often putting great energy into their careers. So far... I'll let Emily like comment. But <laughs> <to me>. <laughs> <laughs> they take pleasure in whatever profession or craft they have chosen and are willing to make great personal sacrifices to maintain their professional integrity. Hmm. While diplomatic and charming, they are more generally serious and task oriented and can therefore sometimes resemble ones. This yeah. feels true. Because I would say that about Emily too. You know? uh, okay, so that's the healthy. The average is, let's see, we never know what we're going to get into with this stuff, but... Powerful ambition and self-doubt mix in people of this subtype, inevitably creating tremendous pressure. Hmm. Their drive for perfection is similar to that of one's. However, they aspire to embody perfection in some way to avoid being rejected or shamed as inferior. Hmm. People of this subtype feel they're putting their entire self-worth on the line with every project. Wow. They often project competence and poise, but can be rather private socially, in contrast to the more outgoing and affable expressions of the other subtype, too. Hmm. They may also display pretentiousness and arrogance mixed with <laughs> self-consciousness and self-contempt, making this subtype perplexing and sometimes at odds with itself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I for sure would be a three-wing four. I don't know why I was on the fence, but I think the reason why was I liked the idea of connecting with a three-wing two more because I like feeling like I'm like generous and loving to other people Mm -hmm. and so i felt like if i went the other way i wouldn't be as generous and loving does that make sense (laughs) it totally makes sense (laughs) but man i feel like i'm a three-wing four and i connected with both of them actually i definitely could remember myself in my early days of blogging what was can you read the average one again it was like Powerful really ambition anxious. and self-doubt yeah. mix in people of this subtype inevitably creating tremendous pressures. That's the four wing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah okay, yeah. okay. Don't mean to keep reading. Uh, yeah, one more. One more sentence. Their drive for perfection is similar to that of one's. However, they aspire to embody perfection in some way to avoid being rejected or shamed as inferior. Um, okay, yes, that. <laughs> I remember as a new blogger, I felt like I had to reach this like level of perfection or like prove myself mm-hmm. as a good writer or a good blogger. And it was a lot of like a self, what's the word? I don't want to say self-sabotaging, but um, I didn't feel like I was good enough. So it was like fake it till you make it yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. 
I don't know what that would be. I'm the words are slipping. Self doubt. Yeah, I was thinking self doubt. Um, hmm. um, not self loathing. No. I think that this bringing of the word inferior is like a very powerful word of not wanting yeah. to feel inferior. Yeah, I I definitely felt that as like a young blogger, I had to work extra hard to prove that I was good enough or write extra long or I don't know, show up. But as I've like slowly started to find my identity and realize it's not all about the blog. Mm -hmm. And if my blog disappeared tomorrow, I would not die. Um, it's been hard to realize. Yeah. Healing Um, thoughts. No, it's one of those things where it's like, that's, that's so hard for this particular kind of personality. That's, that's the battle, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I resonated with the average, but then I also, I'm not like saying like, look, I'm healthy now, but I feel like, as a f- the wing four, I definitely, that's just yeah. a no brainer now. I don't yeah. know why I thought I was confused because <laughs> you read that and I was like, man, that's so me. That's it. That's I have it. the same feelings about you though. Like you are a very helpful person. You're a very kind person. You're a team player. So even as we started approaching those, I was thinking, yeah, I could see a two wing or four wing, but I, it's, it's cool because I had the same feeling as I was reading the four mm-hmm. wing for you. I was like, this feels like Emily. I, I'm hoping Emily feels the same way. You <laughs> totally. know? Yeah. yeah. Even just in your demeanor, I feel like the three wing two is very, that it has a very different like presence in a room almost mm, like a totally. lot more charged, I mm-hmm, think. Mm-hmm. And I think that might be, if we were to think about stances, like the assertive stance mixed with the two wing, which is the compliance stance. So it's not, it's not like taking back the assertion, but a three wing, a three with a four wing, it's kind of at those odds of both being assertive, but then also withdrawing at the same time and kind of having that as part of. I do feel like, I don't know, as, as we say, I don't know what I'm about to say, but <laughs> uh, it seems, it seems that in the drive for success, a Three wing two could get slightly caught up and distracted by a desire to help. Yeah. It seems as if the three wing four might have the biggest propensity towards worldly success, meaning that's just their focus. So I think, I think Oprah is a three wing four. Yeah, she is. That's it's what been it says. Said. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I've, I've, I've heard it postulated or guessed that, Beyonce is also a three wing four. Oh, could be wrong. Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I could do that. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe a four and three. I mean, the line is very interesting, right? Yeah. yeah. But um, yeah. Well, I think the three, three wing four, four is fascinating because it's it's uh, it's holding that tension of both a person who's trying to succeed in this world and be seen as being successful, but then that four wing is also like that authenticity. So you have to find the way of how you're going to be seen but as it's even bringing up like there's these feelings of self-doubt and I think that that's almost like the four working against the mm. confidently putting yourself out there Ooh, interesting I, I, I would also say to think about like going back to your thing about comparing yourself to other Instagrammers um, that also seems like a four wanting to have a unique stamp in the world 
And so you're like, yeah, I have my unique take on Glacier. That's my blog. I worked hard on it. Look, this is this is my. It's free. It's a free country. Everybody's been. You can go to Glacier. Yeah. Anybody can do it. But I did my own unique spin on that, and I worked mm-hmm. hard. Here it is. And then somebody swoops in. I like that swoop word for some reason <laughs> this this week. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. oh, and I have more followers, and so, and you, I could see how that'd be really painful. Yeah. Yeah. Or frustrating, or confounding, or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I guess. this isn't very well thought out, but as I was trying to think of success with the wings, because success I feel like is the kind of overarching word or value or worth. Mm -hmm. I feel like twos will three wing two maybe be more concerned about how their outward appearances because they're more outwardly focused on like loving people or externally. And then fours are focused more on like what legacy are you going to leave mm. and what kind of like impact you're That's going to make. That's a good word. Dang. So, and it's not necessarily like external, but a little bit more internal. And it's like. The internal sense I, of success. Yeah. Hmm. But those are just some thoughts right from the top of my head. I don't know if they have any. I really do think that's think what good. we're all about, right? Yeah. <laughs> thoughts from the top of the head. <laughs> yeah. I just don't want to like generalize, <laughs> you know, other threes are like, Hey, that's not me. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, you're talking about yourself and I think that's what's so important. I mean, I do think that's what's important about the Enneagram. It's why it's important that we interview people is, yeah. is like, we're not just talking about threes. We're talking about how this manifests itself in a unique, utterly unique totally. human person. Yeah. yeah. Do you have yeah. something else you want to read? <laughs> Well, well, I, well, well, let me ask a question to you. What does this do for your wing theory? What does this do for my wing theory? Three wing four. <laughs> I don't know. My wing theory is fluid. <laughs> my wing theory is open to this idea that there's there's not one way. I just don't. I get frustrated when it's like I have to find my wing, and it's like oh, okay, right. you. I think it's good to do explore and understand how wings can function, but you have access to both of these. Okay, can I respond to that? Yes. Okay. Okay, so subtypes, all this stuff. As a, a sexual five tends to be more moody and emotional. So it would be like an, a moody and emotional five. Um, I, I do think maybe my whole life without even knowing it, I've been trying and desiring to be four-like. I want that. Right. Like I admire fours, you know? So, <laughs> <laughs> so... Yeah, I guess you could say that's an overdeveloped wing of sorts. I have not been trying to be a six and still really Right, where I not. think that like you harnessing your six would be very powerful. I know if I was thinking ahead and trying to predict a worst case scenario or, or And like taking action <laughs> and like planning and organizing. I don't do that. Exactly. I couldn't find my keys before I came here tonight, so that was part of the problem. <laughs> Um, I don't really think ahead that much. So yeah, maybe, 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 I, maybe what we're saying is I, I, I don't think just maybe like, I think, <laughs> I think that this is what the I don't Enneagram, think just maybe this is what the Enneagram is, so this isn't a theory. doing for us. Like You've proven this. Well, no, but I think that that's, that's, that's where the wings, it's really wonderful and cool to be like, yeah, I resonate with this. And it feels really nice to be like finding something you mm-hmm. resonate in, but then also the fact that, okay, then there's this other side where I don't resonate as much, but I can harness that and I have really close access to that. It's really powerful. And that's where the Enneagram can come in and give us like steps forward that we may not have found without this. It, it sounds like tool. a hopeful idea. It is. Mm. I think so. Yeah. I think so. I like that. Yeah. It's nice. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what do you got here? Well, I'm wondering if it's time to get into variants. 
<laughs> I, I think it's up to you. <laughs> I bet Emily's game. Do you have any more thoughts on wings? Or are you feeling uh, ready? Uh, no, I'm feeling pretty confident. And I we definitely figured out my wing. It was so funny. It was like, you just read the descriptions. And I'm like, yep, that's me. Yep, <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, that, that's... it wasn't necessarily like a mountain to climb or anything. <laughs> that's, that's my... I don't know what I mean by this, but that's some of my favorite times is when yeah. it just fits, you know? Totally. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Can maybe I do like a quick, this is like a, a, a little detour before the next thing about variance. Because again, the two of you, because I think Susan Stabile does this when she has two people on, she'll be like, Oh, this is a really great opportunity today. Cause today we have two assertive types, you know, and then talk about that. Yeah. But uh, what I would say to about the two of you, which again, this is where I really step out of the fourness. And, and know that I'm not a four is that a two, three, and four, you would say are heart types, but also shame, shame based, right? Shame. So the core thing for two and three and four, my understanding, and I won't do a like nice polished description like Macy, but um, there's a, the, the core thing going on for them is a sense of shame. We all have shame, but it seems that you guys have a more pronounced sense of shame. So each one creates a character to deal with that. Mm-hmm. Like I don't, something about, Something about me feels broken and not good. And and if anybody knew the real me, it wouldn't be very desirable. So a two says, I'm the helper. Right. This is who I am. And there's all this other stuff that's not going to get seen, but you're definitely going to know this helper side of me. And the three says, the real me is not great. It's not very desirable, but I am the achiever. I am this desirable person. So it's almost like I always say, like, send out this avatar. Right. You know, this, here it is. You can see this. My pictures, my persona, my, and then the four, <laughs> I, I don't know what they, the four would say, the unique individual, you know, right, no, it's the, the weirdy. The shame, so therefore, because I feel the so much ashamed person. about it, then I will be this special person or I will find external ways to substitute the shame and almost embrace it in a, it's in a twisted way. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So I don't know. Do you guys want to have a, a, a small brief conversation about shame? <laughs> like, how does that how does that sit with you guys? <laughs> Who wants to go first? I mean, I definitely feel like I experience a lot of shame for self. I do think. I mean, even listening to that Enneagram Three song, maybe I've done enough, and it's maybe less about done enough, but I just don't. There's something that intrinsically feels like it will never be fixed with me mm-hmm. and that there's just always something that's there's some overlarking thing of like I'm never going to be doing it the way I should be and I'm never going to be good enough and there always will be that thing that I'm trying to fill in is kind of how I would say it is and it can come and like bite me all the time like it's always mm. looming mm. this feeling of shame and I have to do a lot of work to counteract that and I think okay another way that it shows up for me is when I'm feeling like I will often give messages to other people about you can be you, you could be all these kinds of things. And it's like, I, I need to hear that for myself and I can't accept that for myself. So I'll just project it onto other people. So that way I can somehow subsidize my own little shame issues. Wow. There's a few thoughts. That's good. Interesting. Yeah. I think sometimes the message that we give out to the world is the message we need to hear for ourselves. Yeah. Totally. I mean, if anybody's paying really close attention, if I'm standing up and giving a talk about the Bible or whatever it is I'm giving a talk about, oftentimes the thing I'm saying is the thing I think I need to hear, you know, 
Interesting. Yeah. How, so how does, do you, do you resonate with the shame stuff, Emily? Like, yeah, I get, I think it's hard for me to unpack or come up with an example, but like a generic one I can think of is not accomplishing something hmm. and kind of what Macy was saying, like, preaching that you can do something, but like I've failed at it, Mm. but I'm not going to tell you I failed at it, but I'm still going to preach that you can do it or I I did it or something. I guess like shame and not, (laughs) wow, this is like a theme, not being enough Mm. or not accomplishing the thing that I said I would. I, I know that responsibility and discipline is also one of my strengths on the strength mm-hmm. finders. So when mm-hmm. I say I'm going to do something and I fail at it, I'm really ashamed. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like I've failed myself. I failed the person that I told that I would do that thing. Um, and so a lot of the times, like when I feel shame, I will not share that with people mm-hmm. and I'll like pretend it never happened. Or if I like fail the project, I won't even like announce that I failed it. I'll just pack it up and put it in a box and never open it again and move on. Mm. So maybe that's how shame comes up. Like I don't want to deal with it because it's super embarrassing to tell people like I didn't accomplish that or that thing went really badly for me. Mm. I think that's what I have. That makes a lot of sense. And it's interesting because I think it's for you often tied to different things that you're doing. Yeah. It's definitely task oriented. It's not so much self oriented. Mm. I guess it comes up in the fact that maybe I would have thoughts like, Oh, I, I'm not cut out to do this task. Yeah. But that's, yeah, it's definitely more accomplishment oriented than anything. It makes me think of, because I've heard the word inferior and it makes me think of this, like I can come home from a day of work and have had a great day at work probably, but come home and do like a whole shame cycle of like why I was inferior that day and like Mm. why I should feel like I'll find the moments to like nitpick of what I should feel shameful about or like, and then I also will be like, and then if I start to think of a good thing that I did, then I'll feel shame about feeling superior about the things that I did. There's no getting away. There's no getting out of the shame. I know. It's like, because if I were to feel good about something, then that to me feels like, oh, it must be fake. There's some part of where it can't be, it's not real. That's messed up, man. (laughs) Interesting. Also just makes me think of our, Macy, I had a recent (laughs) minor conflict. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, it makes me feel like sad that, that a lot of that stuff played into your natural propensity. Yeah, no, for shame. I went I went right into the shame of there's like something happened between Scott and I. It was probably about 50-50, but <laughs> I went full into like I should feel ashamed of who I am. And it's no longer it's not about the thing that I did. It immediately goes to who I am. Oh, like your uh, identity. Like exactly. Uh. Like, oh I've done that. Like what kind of person am I? Oh <laughs> <Gosh>. yeah. shameful one. <laughs> it's fine, I've moved on. Jeez. <laughs> That's heavy, man. I mean, but do you guys do you guys sense that, like if we were talking about um, sort of the the core wound of a type or the the root cause? Like essentially, if you're saying like uh, one of the analogies, maybe there's a better one that you can think of. But people would say like 
the the perceived childhood wound is like a broken limb or bone mm. and that your type is like your cast. It's it, a good analogy. Yeah, it's a nice one. And, and and then they say like Enneagram work is like eventually realizing you don't need that cast anymore and you can like saw it off essentially. Um, I don't know if that is a good analogy, but um, so I, so yeah, I wonder like what's the, what's that core motivation of shame feel like that drives the personality that drives that drives your desire to present as very unique that drives your desire to present as an achiever uh like can you can you can you potentially get in touch with like a a very young feeling of like um lack of sense of self i don't know the best way to say it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we're really exploring the the shame type here, which we've never done before. Yeah, I know. I'm trying to think. Can you think of an early version of like, oh, this is my feeling. Here's my here's my solution. Uh, I just want to kickball, you know, or whatever. I don't know. You know what I mean? <laughs> like a like an early sense of a of a of an intentional move to be successful. I mean, I I can't speak for a two, and I can't speak for a four, but I feel like connecting all of them like is a question of like who am I Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. but I don't know how that plays up into shame like I think we're all all of those types are just trying to dabble in different things it's like am I am I helpful am I successful am I unique like and just trying to test out those things and along the way like you just keep making mistakes and keep feeling shame for not like playing into your true self and Mm. just trying to find your core identity, I guess is like, I don't, I don't know if that's your, what answer you want. I don't, there's this no is, want of an answer. This is a really tough question. I know. Yeah. This yeah. Is a really I'm not used to thinking this. <laughs> no, I'm trying to think, think through like actions that I took. It's hard for me to distinguish because I think for me, like I think of myself playing soccer as like a high schooler. I was on this team where I was one of the younger people and I don't even know if this has is that much linked to shame, but I always wear my hair in pigtails and I kind of got made fun of, but I almost liked that. I was like, mm. Oh, like I felt shameful about it. Cause I was like a little embarrassed, but then there was part of me that was like jokes on you because I'm comfortable in that. this. And it's like, you guys are all stuck here with your ponytails and I can transcend a ponytail with my pigtails. <laughs> but then I think, but I think that there's probably actually this sense of shame of like, like, why can't I just be normal? Like, mm-hmm. I can't just be that. It just doesn't feel satisfying to me. And then I could go in that. I don't know. There's like, to me, it feels like a cycle. Like I keep thinking it's cyclical. Like it's just a loop that goes mm-hmm. round and round. I think maybe... Uh, just to compare and contrast. And it's like, again, like the best way to compare and contrast is if I was able to like literally be one of you for a day and know how it felt. I'm like, Oh, that's so different from the way I feel. Yeah. Cause I, I really do think everybody experiences shame. Oh, for sure. But my biggest stress, I, 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 my, one of my biggest, my, my greatest work is, is actually having a better perception of how I'm being perceived by people. Like, it's not what I'm thinking about. And I always have to be reminded. It's mm-hmm. been the major reminder of my life, like, from a childhood to now. Like, hey, do you do you notice this thing you just did? Did you notice how you impacted this person? Do you notice what you're doing? And I'm like, and I, of course I can notice now, but it's been, my whole life has been, like, 
people saying, are you noticing? Are you noticing? And of course I care. Yeah. Um, but in terms of the shame creating a persona. I do think twos, threes, and fours are most aware of how they're being perceived by yeah. the outside world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're all, like, we're paying attention to that. Ooh, I have some big thoughts just about that right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, wow. Shame. Shame, shame. shame. <laughs> oh my gosh, like Game of Thrones. I know. Macy hasn't seen Game of Thrones yet, but I always think of that. that, was, that wasn't Macy. that the. What an I intense. Won't watch it. I won't maybe watch the it. most intense uh, scene of anything I've ever seen, that shame episode. Shame. Yeah. That was so intense. <laughs> I don't know what I would do. Oh. And it's like this the genius of it is this character that you absolutely loathe that somehow you're now feeling sad for. Yeah. You know. Ooh. Like, I don't wish that upon anybody. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Do you want to go In into the... the vi- that In was our else. little... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Diversion. Okay. Should we get into instincts? We're getting... I think it's getting to that time. <laughs> it's getting to that time. And okay. then we'll take one more break and then finish it up, wrap With it some up. some final okay. thoughts. Yeah, okay. I think so. Sure. Okay. So, instincts... I feel like I explain them every single time. Should... Would it I don't. Be I don't think... Especially with our Enneagram episodes, I don't think we have that consistent of following. I think we have a nice little core following, but I think we have a lot of new people that sign on for the Enneagram episodes. Like random threes will just listen to this. Would it be helpful to you, Emily, if I kind of shared a bit of the overview of the instincts? Yes, <laughs> cool. just, just a brief one, because yes. I feel like I've read them, but I need a little refresher. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, maybe just like the first paragraph. Well, no, I'm, I'm, I'll explain <laughs> the instincts, and then we'll talk about them with the number. Okay, okay. okay. So, oh, got it, got it. So there's three instincts, and I think Scott and I are both of the belief that the instincts are playing about an equal role in terms of your personality okay. development towards, like, s- with your number. So, like, your instincts are there's these three drives and it almost gets like clashed with your Enneagram like fear or the core archetype of that. And they're the three ways that you kind of survive in the world. They're your basic instinctual variants. So the first one is the self-preservation instinct, which is kind of self-explanatory. It's the one to self-preserve. It's This drive is thinking about financial security, like home security, thinking about your body, thinking about food, thinking about, you know, what the weather's like, thinking about how you're going to be safe and survive in the world. The second one is the social instinct, which it's also a drive to survive, but you are seeing the way in which you will survive this world in your best coping ability to make way in the world is through your relations to others. So Mm -hmm. where you are in the group and that usually links more towards like family structures as well as like governmental structures or communities. So it's a little less linkage towards individual relations and more about how you see yourself in the greater society as a whole. And then there is the sexual instinct or some would say the one-to-one instinct. And this is where you see that you will survive through individual connections, through potentially having a one other, but it's not necessarily tied to that with the sexual instinct. It's more of this, I will survive by making these powerful connections with people. And it's not so much about group. It's more about the the way you relate to others. And the so sexual instinct, people would say there's almost like a spark 
that is there for a sexual instinct, especially like a sexual instinct and a sexual instinct together. There's like a, an electricity is like a feeling they would describe. Uh, what would they say? Self-pres burns warm, social burns cool, I think, and sexual burns hot is like a way in which some people might describe the way they have kind of their feel. So, cool. So those are the three. And then in theory, you have two that are relatively developed, one that's like almost overly developed, and then one that's underdevelopment of underdeveloped, which would be your blind spot. Okay. And then those get mashed with your number. <laughs> cool. Mashed up with your number. <laughs> oh, I'm excited to talk about this. <laughs> should uh, should we read the first like few paragraphs from Beatrice? I think so. Is there one that like as you're listening to Macy describe that you might have said, "Oh, that might be a blind spot," or might oh, that's be? That's a good question. So I definitely I've done it before. Yeah. Um, and I was self preservation. But I never have heard of the blind spots until now. But it's probably the sexual one. Okay. Is probably my blind spot. I think, too, like, it makes sense just to say, also, I don't know if you said this, because I just did step out for a quick second, but there's each each number has what you call a counter type. Mm -hmm. So, like, I'm a counter type for a five, which means I, I don't, like, present as a five. So typically people are like, oh, I, I never would have thought you were five. Um, and I think that's the thing with you. Even though you are very successful and success-oriented, I don't think – I think I, I think – The self is a countertype. Yeah, the self-preservation three is a countertype. So oh, interesting. You, you are success-driven. And, and, and talking about this stuff, it's like, yes, there's no question in my mind that Emily's a three. But you're not as flashy. I don't feel like you're the type yeah. that's like, look at my BMW. I've got four of them. You know, yeah. and it's like – it's like that's kind of the meme of a three. You know? Well, They're yeah, the ones like the social the... three is the one who cares about name brands and like this whole status kind mm -hmm. of thing mm -hmm. that you might typically be like, oh, that's a three, but that's just one facet of the three. Right. Okay. So I think I think that Emily might have that in her second, but like it's not the superseding, overarching yeah, value. Yeah, I feel like the the self preservation three would be more like. Instead of look at my BMW, it's like, haha, jokes on you, look at my bank account. But like, you can't <laughs> see those numbers. That's exactly it. That is exactly yeah. that's so good. it. That is that's so, so real. Oh my gosh. Okay. That, that, I want to make sure this state this records and gets through just for that comment. <laughs> but but I do wonder no, that's, if like that's the distinction right there. I know, I know. Just yeah. for, for a quick fun side note before we do the reading, is like <laughs> I do wonder in your world, if we're doing this sort of status thing, is there something for you personally where it's like there's a certain type of three who's maybe reached a certain level of like a millionaire, you know, and, and they have a yacht or something like that. But I, I, I wonder if you're like social, like, what do we call them? Signifiers or something is like a Montclair jacket or something like that. Like that is something for you and Birdie that is like in that industry, like to have, to have the right puff coat or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> is that significant for you? Uh, I would say like, yeah, I would, as a really archetype way of seeing success in our business, I think it, I definitely see that, but I don't know what that is. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, I'd have to think about that a little bit more. Yeah. I mean, I do think it seems like a lot of those, well, 
I mean, quick, quick business question. Cause I'm curious, like, are you the person that seeks out a deal with like, or is that both of you like with a, a sponsor or something like that? Oh, like a client. Yeah. Like Red Wing or Red, it's Red Wing. Oh yeah. 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 I I would say it is a probably a 50, 50. Okay. We do a significant amount of pitching to mm. ourselves. Like we really like this brand and we think we could do a good story with them. So yeah. we reach out to them, but a lot of the times people will come to us and then we'll create something together too. So two freaking assertive types. I One know, more side it's so, note. It's so epic. I'm doing this new gig with this group called beloved arise. Macy knows about, and there's my, uh, essential, like my, what, what, what do I want to call June? <laughs> Partner. Partner boss. (laughs) Uh, Business partner. Um, My friend, I'll just say, my friend June, who I'm doing this with, um, is a three. Social three, I think. Social three, I think, yeah. Um, Mm. And this is just one example, but like Macy and I have so many goals that we... That have been on the back burner since day one. (laughs) And and one of them is just the idea of like creating little... um, graphics for the stories that you can click on on your Instagram. Oh, yeah. 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 And so I mentioned that to June. It was done within less than 24 hours. I was like, what? That's that's an energy I don't understand. Like, between Macy and me, I know if if either one of us mentions something, both of us mean maybe someday, but we never know when. And if it was done in three months, that would be amazing. It would be amazing. We'd be like so proud of each other. That's so funny. That's something I would do that day. I yeah. Know. Oh, I know. Okay. There's, there's a saying, somebody said it on Instagram and now I will never forget it. It's like, if you can do it in two minutes, do it now. Whoa. And so, whoa, that's it's like, like a life kind motto. of an energy that I can take. Like, <sighs> yeah. Oh, I can f- pick up my clothes now in two minutes and it'll be done. And I don't ever have to think about it again. <laughs> that so would be so like a like life that. hack to me. Yeah. I'd be like, I that's great. I got to say that to myself. Two minutes. I do it now. I'm always like later. Everything's, everything's later. Later. Everything's <laughs> later. <laughs> yeah. Two minutes and you, it's done. Dang. Uh, wow. <laughs> All yeah, right. Do you want to read some of these things? Sure. Sure. Okay. okay. <laughs> this is so a fun episode. I'm now reading Self-Preservation <laughs> 3, which is titled Security. And as we said, it's the counter type. Um, okay, so these these were first, these were given out by this guy named Naranjo, so that'll be mentioned here. Um, Naranjo calls this subtype security because these threes work hard to achieve a sense of security, both in terms of material and financial resources in knowing how to do things effectively. Self-pres threes express a concern with security and that they have a need to feel autonomous and self-sufficient, to know how to take care of themselves and others. People with this subtype often had a childhood in which they didn't have enough protection and resources. In response to those conditions, these threes learn to, learn to be active and efficient doers, oriented to taking care of themselves without help from others. They have developed a special focus on autonomy in the face of a jeopardized sense of security. This preoccupation with security can also extend out to others. This person emanates a sense of security. They are s- solid people you might go for advice. They seem outwardly calm and organized, like they have it all together, but they are anxious underneath. These are assertive people who specialize in solving problems and getting things done in a high-quality way. And while they work very hard, they don't show their stress. They are usually financially secure, highly productive, and quote-unquote quote in control, 
but they also report feeling an underlying sense of anxiety related to the effort it takes to achieve the sense of security they crave. Can I say something about yes. that? Yes. So yeah, that's for sure me. And here's why. Um, I think it's because we have such an unconventional job that I feel the need to self-preserve, yeah. especially when it comes to money. Mm. Because our paycheck does not look the same at all any month of the year. Yeah. And so being able to like purchasing a home was not, I mean, it was stressful, but it's just, it's a lot of money, you know, like, Mm -hmm. and having a home base and making sure we can pay our bills every month, um, and make, making sure that like we do enough every month to produce money to support ourselves in a job that is very like, uh, I don't want to say unstable, but, uh, unpredictable. Yeah. Unpredictable is a better word. Uh, I do feel like I have to turn on that, like making sure I can provide for my family. And I actually knowing that Bertie and I are going to potentially start our family in the future, in the near future, that's something that makes me nervous financially is if I have a kid and I don't, I'm not able to like write as much as I used to. Like, will mm. Bertie be able to like get clients and shoot by himself without me? And how would that work? And will we save enough money? And mm-hmm. that is something that I resonate with a lot. So Ooh. I know when I feel big self-preservation like, thoughts, I know, yeah. I, I feel yeah. like you've been talking and I've noticed this like underlying anxiety. You've said it a few times. And I think that mm-hmm. that's a fascinating feature to this and this idea of being in control yeah. Like yeah. There's almost an aspect of this, yeah, like one energy or eight energy of needing to have everything on lock. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. And that you will, you know how to respond and will be efficient and mm-hmm. like able to make it work even if these things fall through. Totally. Yeah. Being like a couple steps ahead so you know what to expect and then acting accordingly. Yeah. Ooh, dang. Should, <laughs> should we read the other ones just for the sake of listeners and to hear to see which one Emily resonates with yeah. more? I mean, yeah. I, I I do think I do think I do think Emily would be self pres social sexual. Yeah, see. I want to hear I yeah. want to hear both of okay. them because okay. I want to know which one I'm blind to. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and also this is a journey because I thought I was sexual blind blind for a hot minute, and I think I'm now. Sexual social. (laughs) No, nice. So I think. Yeah, it's it takes some time to get to know this stuff, but yeah. But but, um, I also I love about the Enneagram. Yeah. I also heard recently in a by Susan Stabile. So I'm. It's just one person who said it, but this they mentioned this idea of the instincts being a little bit more fluid, unlike your type, that you can kind of draw upon different ones and life circumstances will lead you to have to do some of them. And so sometimes in certain moments you'll rely on one more than the others. Right. I mean, mm. people would be shocked that I'm social blind because I've been a pastor most of my life. And, right. and it's like, I, I can look around the room and observe and notice who needs what, but it's um, the work. It's work for you. I'm working so hard. Yeah. I'm working mm-hmm. so hard. It's not, it's not natural. Which is me in with any concept of doing anything to think about financial savings or <laughs> like caring about my home and oh. protecting myself. Like it's oh. that is all so much work and so much effort. And I have to be really conscious and tell multiple people so they can <laughs> keep me accountable. You know? Yeah, that's so a, funny. That's the thing about that's the experience. Like, it's natural for the, you. 
the peak of my instincts. Yeah. yeah. Safety. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. Here comes social three called prestige. This seems like the three is three to a certain extent, I you know? So. Uh, the social three has a desire to be seen and to have influence with people. This three acts out of vanity through the desire to shine before the world. Social threes enjoy being on stage. This subtype is the most vain of the threes and the biggest chameleon. Hmm. The name given to this subtype is prestige, which reflects the idea of needing everybody's admiration. This three, more than any other of the two subtypes, likes and needs to be recognized, so they tend to be more out in front, basking in the spotlight. As children... Oh. You're back. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, I wonder when Hopefully I lost that you. Mess anything up. No, it's fine. No, 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 you're good. Uh, I'll just start this paragraph. Sure. The, the name given to this subtype is prestige, which reflects the idea of needing everybody's admiration and applause. This three, more than the other subtypes, likes and needs to be recognized, so they tend to be more out in front, basking in the spotlight. As children, it was typically important for social threes to quote unquote show something, to look good, and to demonstrate competence in doing things to get love. Support most likely came in the form of an approving look from parents. <laughs> I can relate to this. <laughs> social threes are socially brilliant. They know how to talk to people and how to climb the social ladder. These threes feel a need to frame words carefully to get the maximum benefit, which, in, which is measured in terms of making the right impression, getting what they want, and reaching their goal. Their fuel is social success, though what exactly constitute as success can vary depending on the history and content of the individual social three. Some show intelligence, culture, or class. Others have degrees and titles, and others have material symbols of social status, a nice house, an expensive car, designer clothes, or expensive watches. Hmm. You can go on and on, but... Yeah. yeah. I relate to a little bit of that. Yeah. I would say one of my goals as, like a blogger and a writer and I mean, for lack of a better word, an influencer, I would love to do like a speaking gig someday. Yeah. I would love to try and be on stage and like oh. tell people what I know. Oh gosh. You'd be but so good at that. It's not uh, I don't feel like a social ladder climber. Yeah. yeah. I guess that's not something that's really important to me, but I do want to be recognized as someone like prestigious in the thing that I do. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so half relate. So let me just say this to the t- to well to the three of us. Uh, the one one of the things I think I'm learning about the variants that I'm still processing is I don't I'm not trying to stigmatize this word. I'm meaning it as just a factual word, but like um, the idea that our most dominant variant is sort of manic. It's mm-hmm. the thing that we're sort of obsessed with, and so like yeah. as the sexual type, I can say like I'm. <sighs> <laughs> Totally. Overly <laughs> impacted and influenced by the people that I'm closest to, you mm-hmm. know, it's like an obsession. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and then I totally, yeah, I totally see that with the self-preservation too. Yeah, I'm overly conscious of like how much is in my bank account. Are mm-hmm. we paying our bills on time? Like, are we? You can't. Did I stop lock it. the doors when we like left for a trip? Like, yeah, yeah. I can't stop thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> then the, the second thing seems to be the thing that kind of comes natural and peaceful for us. So, it's so like almost th- you're good at this one Yeah, the social thing. Yeah. You're not like, oh, I got to climb the social ladder. You just happen to climb the social ladder. You happen to look good on Instagram. It's just, <laughs> that's just what you do. You're not obsessed with it, mm. you know? Um, <laughs> because that does stuff seem to come natural for you in a lot of ways. It yeah. does. It does feel good. Like when I, I heard those things, it's like, yeah, I do like to get up and speak and mm-hmm. I... 
Yeah. I don't know. I do like to be recognized for things. <laughs> so that makes sense. Yeah, totally. That's good. Okay, should we get to the sexual three just for comparison? Because you, who knows? Yeah, just and, and just for the listeners yeah. too, if they're like, what is this? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, if a three is listening and they're like, maybe mm-hmm. I'm a sexual three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this one is called Charisma. Um, the victory or goal that the sexual three subtype is interested in that expresses this three's vanity is one of sex appeal and beauty rather than money and prestige. But they are just as competitive in pursuing these goals as a business executive is... mm, Okay. But they are just as competitive in pursuing these goals as a business executive is in their work matters. In this three, vanity is not denied as with the self-pressed three or embraced like with the social three. Rather, it's somewhere in between, being employed in the service of creating an attractive image and promoting important others. The sexual three is sweet and shy and not as extroverted as the social three, especially when it comes to speaking about themselves. It's hard for these threes to promote themselves, so they often put the focus on others they want to support. Although although they are just as capable as the other threes of achieving worldly successes through competence and hard work, these threes don't feel the need to achieve goals in the external world because their focus is much more on pleasing and making themselves attractive as a way of earning love. They see their accomplishments in the successes and happiness of the people around them. Mm. I Another well. thing that Susan said about this was they put a lot of energy into grooming and dietary needs and their image, and they're wanting to maximize their own attractiveness. Can <laughs> I say what comes to mind? Please. It sounds like, like a CrossFit influencer. Totally. Oh, totally. Yeah, totally. 100%. Sorry. I, I use like references to Instagram because it's literally what That's I'm your doing world. all day. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> This Absolutely. also said makes sense. They want to be on somebody's arm. Like uh, a, se- a sexual like, three like wants to be shown off by their partner as like, oh, look at my beautiful, lovely, smart, mm. successful person. They want to be seen as that attached to this partner of theirs. Yeah. I have some sexual threes in mind right now. That I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure I relate so much to that one. Yeah, you can feel it in the room. I don't feel it in the room. Yeah, you know, you know. Yeah. I mean, Emily's not literally in the room, but Emily is pretty much in the room. <laughs> <laughs> you can see my facial expressions yeah. over FaceTime. The, yeah. the yeah. lack yeah. of resonating. Yeah, the lack <laughs> of resonating. You're like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. Um, we've talked about. Uh, we think Daniel Kai's, who is uh, everybody, our friend, who is our Enneagram nine <laughs> episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also think is sexual blind. Yeah, totally. And there's interesting. So, and Matthew. Yeah. yeah. There's something for me who is like sexual. Uh, it's sexual is such a funny word. Sexual. Um, doesn't have to be. I, I, <laughs> when I get like Daniel one-on-one or maybe even, you could even say Matthew. Um, I feel like I'm coming on too strong. Like I always have to rein it in a little bit. You know, um, I don't know if that makes any sense. Like, no, it does make sense. With Daniel in a group, it's all very natural and nice. If I get Daniel one on one, I almost feel like I have to be like, hey, you know, like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that's that's a sexual mixed with a sexual blind. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, interesting. Yeah. But I can pick that up. I can pick that up in people. I think. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Because my main thing I'm looking for is the one-on-one connection above all. Yeah. Um, I don't really care about the big group. 
Um, I'm uh, I'm pretty chill about the self pres needs. You know, I'm like, yeah. I'm gonna get my food, and Matt. That's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. Wait. So, what are your blind spots? So, social would be my blind. So, oh, okay, okay. Um, it's funny because like not only is it does it not come natural to me, but for some reason in, in the back of my subconscious, I resent the idea that I would even need to think about that. Oh, interesting. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Scott like doesn't necessarily see the. The the place you play in the so like the social slash like communal web that we're all a part of. Yeah. You like want to deny that almost and yeah. say, yeah, who told me I had to be a part of this? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Totally. <laughs> and and also I can't I can't wrap my head around so, the social hierarchy. That's too many people for me to consider. I don't know how yeah. to. I can focus on one person, and that's almost all. That's almost too much in and of itself. <laughs> but um. A group. A group is too ambiguous to me. The group, you know? Interesting. Yeah. I love the group. The group. The group brings me life. <laughs> the group. <laughs> totally. I don't know the group. Yeah. Wait, so Macy, what are you dominant in and what's your... Honestly, honestly, it's not clear to me what I'm dominant <laughs> in. I think that I used to think I was social, uh, sexual, but lately... I feel like the more I get in touch with the sexual for and the more like honest I am, the more I actually feel like that is probably my dominant. Whoops. <laughs> Whoops. There is there is I think a lot of like I I think that the the more familiar I come become with the language, the more I can look back at my past and see certain situations and see the manic sexual energy happening there. And like for me it is like this obsessive really weird passionate phase like frenzy I can get into and I can get into weird mm. idolatry <laughs> moments so <laughs> yeah uh with the variants do you feel like those are um like set in stone and you're like discovering them or do you feel like they can change over time oh you said something about like I, circumstantially they can change that's what I've heard I don't know I mean the idea of me growing up, I mean, I'm like right now, because especially I feel like the variance, the work is in your blind spot in a lot of ways. Mm. And I do see myself being like, I want to work on my blind spot. Recently, we were, I was somewhere and we had to say goals. And I was like, begrudgingly said this, but I was like, I want to have more savings. Like, I, <laughs> it's the last thing that I want to be having as a goal. More savings. And yes, all like of us want more savings. thing to say and think about. But I'm like, I have to do this. Like, I have to, I can't deny that. And I need to, like, for my own well-being, actually pay attention to this blind side and, like, turn my head and look at it and then also actually step towards it, not just look at it and then turn away. Do you mm. have to work on wanting to have more savings, Emily? <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, I, I, of course, kind of want more savings. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's not something that's just on your mind. Yeah. No. Um. I have a very three question for you. Ooh. Since I am blind to my sexual instinct, what as a three do you think I should do to work on that side of myself? Dang, that's a good dang, question. Dang. I mean, the other way of saying sexual is one-to-one. -one. Yeah, one-to-one, -one, let's yeah. say that. What? How can I better my one-to-one -one As a instinct? three, especially. As a three. I don't know. I mean, it's interesting if we like looked back and thought about this idea of consoling. Like, honestly, it'd probably be 
Yeah. It probably it probably would arise most in your relationship with Birdie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think it would be like this vulnerability piece. Like yeah. allowing the intense emotions to surface with another person. Yeah. I think would be a way because I think that the this sexual instinct is this very intense feeling. Mm. So I yeah. think that allowing that more space. Yeah, but I would say I would clarify that knowing Emily a little bit. Um, there's a difference, and I don't, I don't quite know how it works. There's a difference between an intense emotion and a deeper, authentic emotion. Yep. Meaning, I think you could access sort of an anger with Birdie. <laughs> we're talking about Birdie all of a sudden. Oh, uh, uh, that's okay. Yeah. Um, if he's done something that uh, frustrates you or yeah. whatever, whatever it is. But like to uh, to access the deeper emotion, the Emily emotion, like the oh, the child like, almost. Yeah, yeah. It's sort of like I'm angry you didn't do the dishes, but yeah. deep down inside it was like you didn't listen to like yeah. what I really wanted you to do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then acknowledging the same thing in Birdie. Yeah. And then That's and then true. giving it a lot of time. Yeah. <laughs> Sitting in emotion yeah. instead of stuffing them away. <laughs> yeah. I need to do the opposite. I need to I need to do the two second two minute tasks. <laughs> <laughs> two minute tasks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well you will you won't necessarily sit in your emotions, you'll intellectualize the emotions uh, and sit uh, in that space. <laughs> I just sit and think about my emotions, which actually is a nothing exercise almost. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we've all got issues, everybody. That's a great question, though, Emily. Yeah, it's a really great question. No, it's a good like. Wow, I'm. This is the three and me coming out again. It's good homework piece. Mm. (laughs) Like, it's a task for me to figure out how. What are some opportunities that I can like see in my life that I can like let raw emotion just be there without me having to kind of be like, oh, what are they going to think? Or hmm. how am I going to like act or like be seen as, you know? Well, interesting Ooh. almost, this is counter to the self-pres, but like putting yourself in situations where you aren't in control because mm, there's like totally. this almost like you're addicted to being in control in some way. Yeah. So it's letting go and kind of put, allowing yourself to be out of control. And maybe you could use the illusion of you're in control of being letting, like you're in control because you're letting yourself lose control. I'm allowing this space (laughs) to be an uncontrollable space. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, that could be a step. I've also, I've been trying to do meditation a lot more lately and I think that's really good for a five. And and I've just, the act of trying to do meditation, I'm just so confronted with how hard it is to turn off my brain. It's just always mm. thinking and thinking and thinking. Um, but I wonder, just to take your question seriously, like something that seems to come natural for me, this isn't even a five thing, but like as a sexual type, I think is as you're talking to someone, it's like trying to do almost a mental checklist. I guess this is the thing that comes natural to me, but like doing a mental checklist of everything that's going on with that person. And that would be a a self-forgetting thing for you almost. Like don't think about your, how how you're coming across. Oh, how am I going to respond to what they're going to say to me? Yeah. You're doing like, what is their facial expression? What is their aura and their energy right now? What's their body language? Uh, What are the, like, what is coming at me from this person right now? And, Mm. And like, like acknowledging it in your head almost as a checklist. Yeah. You know? Um, that's a good 
Yeah. I mean, that's a good way to like, uh, like Macy said, a step Yeah. into being like, instead of looking at it, like, uh, how, how am I going to say this? Instead of looking at their check emotional checklist mm-hmm. as like, Oh, how am I going to respond? Instead of thinking about me, it's more like really like getting into their mindset mm-hmm. and seeing what they're, how they're feeling in that moment versus it's kind of like, um, you know, I don't know the saying, but it's like some people will just listen to others so that they can respond or so they can right. talk in return. But instead of like not not worrying about how you're going to respond, but just what like, I don't know, sitting with that person and what they're doing. Yeah. And that's the thing too, with you is like I said, the word gentle comes to mind and it's like that self-preservation counter type to a three. It's like, I would never think that you need to worry about, you're not the type that I would ever say, Oh, you're always interjecting and stating your opinion. You don't listen, you you know, you don't pause. (laughs) Um, but maybe for your own sake, just knowing you even a little bit more through this conversation would be a little less concerned with how you're coming across. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think that would, that that's for your benefit. Like I don't get that yeah. sense from you. I'm not like, oh, Emily is just always so fake, and like I don't have that at yeah. all with you. But like for your own internal emotions, it's like not to worry yeah. so much about that. Yeah, I I agree. <laughs> I fully agree. I would like to read this one paragraph from uh, <laughs> the Complete Enneagram, and it's titled "Increase Your Ability to Just Be." Ooh. For threes, okay, developing Emily. an ability to feel and be is part of the larger process of getting in touch with the real self. Challenge yourself to try to meditate or try to not do anything at all. Just sit there and look out the window. <laughs> if this is difficult, allow yourself to experience how difficult it is and think about why it is so challenging. <laughs> think Remind about yourself it. that the real you shouldn't be measured or evaluated by how much you do. That it's more important to allow for more being and less doing. Because it will allow you to access your true self. That's very hard. <laughs> I know. Very it's like, true. It's one of those things that they, you read and you're like, want to put your middle finger up at it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I would say the last thing I want to do is sit and do nothing. Um, the first thing I want to do. Are you serious? Oh yeah, I always want to sit and do nothing. If if you if you forced me to do that, I would just sit there the whole time thinking, okay, so I've wasted this much time, so I guess I have to work like extra hard doing X Y Z. I've never make up for it. It's not that that thought. That's a challenge, but honestly, it's something I really need to hear too. Wow. Right. Well, we're being told they're like, don't just sit there and do the thing because. Scott and I confuse thinking and feeling with doing. Mm-hmm. So we'll sit and think and feel. I've done. And that's I've done. doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's not. It's, that's <laughs> false. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> there is something about the world of channeling our natural gifts. Mm-hmm. Because, like, when your work, your, your natural tendency to do is obviously helping a lot. But I do like to think, and this might be not possible or it might be naive, <laughs> but I do like to think that there is a certain realm where thinking is doing, meaning that totally. I'm paid I mean, to think. I agree. I think it's Or you're true. paid to feel. Yeah. An artist. You well, know what I mean? <laughs> it's pretty, I mean, you guys are like nailing, what's hitting the nail on the head with being a podcast. Right. I know. I you know. know. <laughs> please, anybody listening, uh, please support us on Patreon. <laughs> no, but this is like, I was thinking about this and when you guys first, like years ago, was it years ago already? You were like, kind I of, think I'm going to do a ago. podcast. Yeah. 
And I was like, that's literally the most perfect thing for those two people ever. <laughs> so I'm just so happy that you guys uh, are like killing it. Uh, and, like it's just so the sweet, perfect Emily. way to channel your Enneagram types mm. and yourself into just like literally recording yourselves thinking and feeling. <laughs> I know. That's all we do. <laughs> that's all we do. It's true. <laughs> Um, it's so cool man i think we should probably wrap up like I think so we too. did i mean this was this was now in the two hour zone right now oh gosh <laughs> which is like we Sorry. could talk to you forever but like i know um, do we want to wrap up with takeaways yeah we're trying to do takeaways nowadays yeah um I'll, I'll i will do an uh, i will do a warm-up to the takeaways yep. this isn't a takeaway this is an observation Uh oh oh we almost lost emily is she back she's yep, back you're moving um Okay. Yeah, I, I paused for a second. Okay. Okay. Um, one observation. This was probably the sexual type energy. Uh, this is the thing. This is I, I, this is like a Chris Hewitt's thing type of thing. I'm about to say right now. Okay. Chris Hewitt's out of all the Enneagram teachers that I know of, which is strange because I think it demonstrates a lot of work on his part because he's an eight. Tends to be the most generous in the way he wants to frame each type. Mm-hmm. Like he's not mean. Mm-mm. No, like, I don't think so. He's kind of saying, hey, a lot of people say this about threes, but what you need to know about them is this, and this is why, and you need to be sensitive. And he says that to all types, you know. And I think I think threes get a bum rap. You're, you're again, get the counter type to a three, but threes get a bum rap of being not emotional, not in touch with their emotions. Uh, they, they step over people's emotions. They want the bottom line at all costs. Um, they're intimidating. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you think about, especially like this shame heart type, I don't know if I can strip away the veneer for yeah, three. Totally. What I've been experiencing with Emily is like almost every time we start to get real, Emily gets kind of teared up and soft and open. And it's like, there obviously is a very deep desire for connection beneath the surface and, and a, and a giant heart. I mean, to a certain extent, this is what they've said about threes is that they're swimming in heart, mm-hmm. which is what makes it so complicated. Yeah. Like they know, have no other thing to grasp onto. Like, so like for like a five, I can, I, I as a head type, I can grasp onto the four heart mm-hmm. s- space, mm. but they would say like a six is swimming in head. And a nine is they have swimming no heart in to instinct. Grab onto. Yeah. A nine is swimming on instinct. Um, so that's like the, the dilemma of the three. There's like so much heart, too much heart, you know, <laughs> but I feel like that came out, at least just in the the natural conversation. The natural conversation with Emily. Yeah. Yeah. That's an observation, not a takeaway, but I think it's a takeaway. Who wants to start with a takeaway? Well, I think Emily should end. Okay, with- we're gonna give you the final word, Emily. Oh sure. Um not yet. I, N- not yet. <laughs> I see. Okay, got it. Is that what you mean? Yeah, yeah, no totally. So Macy sense. will do a takeaway, I'll do a takeaway, and then you'll get the the final, final takeaway. takeaway. Cool. <laughs> okay. I think Sounds good. That way you can manicure it to the perfectly three-like way. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I can curate my answer. Yeah, yeah. I think my takeaway, especially as someone who is, I think I for a long time have denied my own three wing because I think there's a lot of three qualities that feel counter to who I am. Like being success-driven is probably the opposite of what I want to except for I am also very success driven. So there is a part of me that I'm always self-denying. And I think a takeaway is maybe just having this conversation with you has, I can see it softening in me, my understanding of three and probably 
a little bit more graceful towards mm. both myself and my instinct towards three because I can I can feel a lot of shame around that. Like when I start to find myself in patterns of thinking where I'm really aware of how people are perceiving me and I really find myself being driven towards succeeding, I think I can quickly say that that's a bad thing when maybe it's actually a good thing and I don't need to be so ashamed of it. So just having this conversation, I think, has allowed me to see that both in other threes, like kind of the heart behind it, but then also trust that it's okay and it's probably a good thing. And it's actually good for the world when people are out there succeeding and thinking towards efficiency and productivity. Like that can inspire me instead of frustrate me. Yeah, you do have a strange relationship with your three wing. You kind of... Disdain it sometimes. I do, yeah. and I think I might play into that a little too much sometimes too. Maybe I think that I think for me embracing it is a really powerful thing. Mm. So yeah, mm. that's a takeaway. Uh, well, uh, another observation. Oh my gosh! For a takeaway, but like I do think one of the things Emily really redeems for threes again is. I don't get this sense when we're talking to her or ever talking to Emily that there's like this, 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 uh, you, you just have an aura. I, I mean, I've been using those words a lot more lately, like, right. Aura energy. Like you, it doesn't ever feel like scary or crazy or out of control with you. Mm-hmm. Like that three energy or that desire to achieve. It seems, I mean, I mean, I know beneath the surface, we're all experienced big emotions, but um, it seems fairly in check. It doesn't seem like it's running rampant and causing all sorts of problems in your life and stuff like that. Um, so having said that, here's a takeaway. I, I, this isn't going to come. I think I've said this on the podcast, but like I'm as a five, I said theoretically I'm supposed to go to eight in health, but I think at the season of my life for, for the time being, the number I'm trying to most access is a three. Hmm. Like I'm mm-hmm. trying to be more three. Like I'm trying to be more, strategic, goal-oriented, success-oriented. It's something that I feel like I've realized may potentially be the, up until this point in my life, the least present and the most deficient. Uh, and it's it's led to like some self-sabotage to a certain extent without me even realizing it, that, yeah. like unintentional self-sabotage. Um, so yeah, I, 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 all that to say, I guess maybe I'm saying to you, Emily, I'm like inspired by you and also meditating on threes tonight just reminds me that I want to access that mm-hmm. energy mm-hmm. more, you know, the doer. Energy. Yeah. Like I'm not <laughs> at this stage in my life and, and maybe, it, and, and it's like, I think I really do believe it's important for us to consider and access all the best parts of all the numbers. Um, but I'm not really trying hard to access a seven energy right now in my life. Like more, more fun, more doing that. I mean, that will happen naturally, but I, right. As are, I'm totally, you're trying to get more seven like yeah, yeah, for yeah, yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm trying to get more three like okay I don't I don't <laughs> need any more five in my life and I, <laughs> I don't need any more no four. more get that five out of here <laughs> okay Emily it's Let's your turn okay so I think my takeaway oh, honestly this has been really helpful to like unpack these things as a three with you guys because you've asked some really good questions and I think uh something that I want to focus on is like sitting with those emotions and kind of like, okay. So as I, um, warned you, <laughs> Emily got cut off there at the end cause of our SD card, but just so you know, 
the conversation didn't end that way. We we closed out the conversation that evening. Um, actually, I don't. You could probably tell this, but we were FaceTiming Emily. Um, but we closed out the conversation in a very nice way. <laughs> we didn't just shut the computer on Emily. But if you are three or know a three, and you're interested in ending this episode with just an encouragement or a blessing of sorts, I'll read uh, the Emergence of Essence from The Wisdom of the Enneagram by Riso Hudson. This is one of those big Enneagram books that we often recommend to people that really want a deep dive on the Enneagram. And um, so this just let this be an encouragement or a blessing to you threes out there. The Emergence of Essence for threes. When they are able to reconnect with their hearts, healthy threes model the essential gift of authenticity like no other type. Their behavior becomes genuine, not trying to be more or less than they really are. They become simple and available, revealing their true selves with honesty and humility. Authenticity is not about being brutally honest. Authenticity means manifesting who you are in the moment. When threes are present, they are simple and able to speak the truth that comes directly from their hearts. At first glance, this may not seem like much of an achievement, but if we think about it, we realize how rarely we present ourselves to others in this way. As threes learn to embrace their authenticity, their essential quality begins to arise. It is difficult to speak about, not because it is so abstract, but because it is so fundamental to our existence that we tend to be blind to it. Perhaps the best word for it is value, the fact that we are valuable because we exist. This idea flies in the face of popular culture, which insists that we are valuable only if we have a certain income or certain physical qualities or of a certain age or professional background. But all of these more superficial understandings of value are substitutes created by the personality that is out of touch with the ground of its being, the source of all real value. If we stop to consider it, it is we who imbue the things that we value with value. Perhaps being an actor gives us our self-esteem. Yet for another person, this same career might seem pointless or trivial. Their self-esteem might depend on having a certain amount of money in the bank. Not only do values vary from person to person, but they also change in the course of our own lives. Obviously, the one common thread in all of this is us. In effect, we project our own essential value onto a job or a person or a thing or an activity and then try to get the sense of value back by having that thing. But it never quite works. When we contact our essential value, however, we know that it is an intrinsic part of our true nature. We cannot be without value. We can only forget that it is there. All of the pains, humiliations, and problems of life do nothing to diminish the essential value of a person. At most, they only modify the person and give him or her an opportunity for further expansion, acceptance, and understanding. Thus, when threes are able to perceive their essential value directly, they become freed from the ego's relentless pursuit of self-esteem through achievement. This affords them the time and space to live with the greatness of spirit, a life of love, richness, and wonder.